Question 117 of Summa Theologica, Pars Prima, on the Divine Government. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Summa Theologica, Pars Prima, on the Divine Government by St. Thomas Aquinas, translated by the Fathers of the English Dominican Province, Question 117, of Things Pertaining to the Action of Man. Article 1. Whether One Man Can Teach Another. Objection 1. It would seem that one man cannot teach another. For the Lord says, in Matthew 22, 8, Be not you called rabbi. On which the gloss of Jerome says, Lest you give to man the honor due to God. Therefore, to be a master is properly an honor due to God but it belongs to a master to teach. Therefore man cannot teach, and this is proper to God. Objection 2. Further, if one man teaches another, this is only inasmuch as he acts through his own knowledge, so as to cause knowledge in the other. But a quality, through which anyone acts, so as to produce his like, is an active quality. Therefore it follows that knowledge is an active quality just as heat is. Objection 3. Further, for knowledge we require intellectual light, and the species of the thing understood. But a man cannot cause either of these in another man. Therefore a man cannot, by teaching, cause knowledge in another man. Objection 4. Further, the teacher does nothing in regard to a disciple save to propose to him certain signs, so as to signify something by words or gestures. But it is not possible to teach anyone so as to cause knowledge in him by putting signs before him. For these are signs either of things that he knows, or of things he does not know. If of things that he knows, he to whom those signs are proposed is already in the possession of knowledge, and does not acquire it from the master. If they are signs of things that he does not know, he can learn nothing therefrom, for instance, if one were to speak Greek to a man who only knows Latin, he would learn nothing thereby. Therefore, in no way can a man cause knowledge in another by teaching him. On the contrary, the Apostle says, in 1 Timothy 2.7, Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle, a doctor of the Gentiles in faith and truth. I answer that, on this question there have been various opinions. For Averroes, commenting on On the Soul 3, maintains that all men have one passive intellect, in common, as stated above in question 76, article 2. From this it follows that the same intelligible species belong to all men. Consequently, he held that one man does not cause another to have a knowledge distinct from that which he has himself, but that he communicates the identical knowledge which he has himself, by moving him to order rightly the phantasms in his soul, so that they may be rightly disposed for intelligible apprehension. This opinion is true so far as knowledge is the same in disciple and master, if we consider the identity of the thing known, for the same objective truth is known by both of them. But, so far as he maintains that all men have but one passive intellect, and the same intelligible species, differing only as to various phantasms, his opinion is false, as stated above in question 76, article 2. 
besides this there is the opinion of the platonists who held that our souls are possessed of knowledge from the very beginning through the participation of separate forms as stated above in question eighty four article three and four but that the soul is hindered through its union with the body from the free consideration of those things which it knows according to this the disciple does not acquire fresh knowledge from his master but is roused by him to consider what he knows so that to learn would be nothing else than to remember in the same way they held that natural agents only dispose matter to receive forms which matter requires by a participation of separate substances but against this we have proved above in question seventy nine article two and question eighty four article three that the passive intellect of the human soul is in pure potentiality to intelligible species as aristotle says in on the soul three four we must therefore decide the question differently by saying that the teacher causes knowledge in the learner by reducing him from potentiality to act as the philosopher says in physics eight four in order to make this clear we must observe that of effects proceeding from an exterior principle some proceed from the exterior principle alone as the form of a house is caused to be in matter by art alone whereas other effects proceed sometimes from an exterior principle sometimes from an interior principle thus health is caused in a sick man sometimes by an exterior principle namely by the medical art sometimes by an interior principle as when a man is healed by the force of nature in these latter effects two things must be noticed first that art in its work imitates nature for just as nature heals a man by alteration digestion rejection of the matter that caused the sickness so does art secondly we must remark that the exterior principle art acts not as a principal agent but as helping the principal agent which is the interior principle and by strengthening it and by furnishing it with instruments and assistance of which the interior principle makes use in producing the effect thus the physician strengthens nature and employs food and medicine of which nature makes use for the intended end now it is acquired in man both from an interior principle as is clear in one who procures knowledge by his own research and from an exterior principle as is clear in one who learns by instruction for in every man there is a certain principle of knowledge namely the light of the active intellect through which certain universal principles of all the sciences are naturally understood as soon as proposed to the intellect now when any one applies these universal principles to certain particular things the memory or experience of which he acquires through the senses then by his own research advancing from the known to the unknown he obtains knowledge of what he knew not before wherefore any one who teaches leads the disciple from things known by the latter to the knowledge of things previously unknown to him according to which the philosopher says in posterior analytics one one all teaching and all learning proceed from previous knowledge now the master leads the disciple from things known to knowledge of the unknown in a twofold manner firstly by proposing to him certain helps or means of instruction which his intellect can use for the acquisition of science for instance he may put before him certain less universal propositions of which nevertheless the disciple is able to judge from previous knowledge or he may propose to him some sensible examples 
either by way of likeness or of opposition or something of the sort from which the intellect of the learner is led to the knowledge of truth previously known secondly by strengthening the intellect of the learner not indeed by some active power as of a higher nature as explained above in question one hundred six article one and question one hundred eleven article one of the angelic enlightenment because all human intellects are of one grade in the natural order but inasmuch as he proposes to the disciple the order of principles to conclusions by reason of his not having sufficient collating power yet to be able to draw the conclusions from the principles hence the philosopher says in posterior analytics one two that a demonstration is a syllogism that causes knowledge in this way a demonstrator causes his hearer to know reply to objection one as stated above the teacher only brings exterior help as the physician who heals but just as the interior nature is the principal cause of the healing so the interior light of the intellect is the principal cause of knowledge but both of these are from god therefore as of god it is written who healeth all thy diseases psalm one hundred two three so of him it is written he that teacheth man knowledge psalm ninety three ten inasmuch as the light of his countenance is signed upon us psalm four seven through which light all things are shown to us reply to objection two as Averroes argues the teacher does not cause knowledge in the disciple after the manner of a natural active cause wherefore knowledge need not be an active quality but is the principle by which one is directed in teaching just as art is the principle by which one is directed in working reply to objection three the master does not cause the intellectual light in the disciple nor does he cause the intelligible species directly but he moves the disciple by teaching so that the latter by the power of his intellect forms intelligible concepts the signs of which are proposed to him from without reply to objection four the signs proposed by the master to the disciple are of things known in a general and confused manner but not known in detail and distinctly therefore when any one acquires knowledge by himself he cannot be called self-taught or be said to have his own master because perfect knowledge did not precede in him such as is required in a master article two whether man can teach the angels objection one it would seem that men teach angels for the apostle says in ephesians three ten that the manifold wisdom of god may be made known to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places through the church but the church is the union of all the faithful therefore some things are made known to angels through men objection to further the superior angels who are enlightened immediately concerning divine things by god can instruct the inferior angels as stated above in question one hundred sixteen article one and question one hundred twelve article three but some men are instructed immediately concerning divine things and by the word of god as appears principally of the apostles from hebrews one one and two last of all in those days god hath spoken to us by his son therefore some men have been able to teach the angels objection three further the inferior angels are instructed by the superior but some men are higher than some angels since some men are taken up to the highest angelic orders as gregory says in a homily 
homily thirty four on the gospels therefore some of the inferior angels can be instructed by men concerning divine things on the contrary dionysius says in on the divine names for that every divine enlightenment is born to men by the ministry of the angels therefore angels are not instructed by men concerning divine things i answer that as stated above in question one hundred seven article two the inferior angels can indeed speak to the superior angels by making their thoughts known to them but concerning divine things superior angels are never enlightened by inferior angels now it is manifest that in the same way as inferior angels are subject to the superior the highest men are subject even to the lowest angels this is clear from our lord's words in matthew eleven eleven there hath not risen among them that are born of woman a greater than john the baptist yet he that is lesser in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he therefore angels are never enlightened by men concerning divine things but men can by means of speech make known to angels the thoughts of their hearts because it belongs to god alone to know the heart's secrets reply to objection one augustine in on the literal interpretation of genesis five nineteen thus explains this passage of the apostle who in the preceding verses says to me the least of all the saints is given this grace to enlighten all men that they may see what is the dispensation of the mystery which hath been hidden from eternity in god hidden yet so that the multiform wisdom of god was made known to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places that is through the church as though he were to say this mystery was hidden from men but not from the church in heaven which is contained in the principalities and powers who knew it from all ages but not before all ages because the church was at first there where after the resurrection this church composed of men will be gathered together it can also be explained otherwise that what is hidden is known by the angels not only in god but also here where when it takes place and is made public as augustine says further on in on the literal interpretation of genesis five nineteen thus when the mysteries of christ in the church were fulfilled by the apostles some things concerning these mysteries became apparent to the angels which were hidden from them before in this way we can understand what jerome says in his commentary on the epistle to the ephesians that from the preaching of the apostles the angels learned certain mysteries that is to say through the preaching of the apostles the mysteries were realized in the things themselves thus by the preaching of paul the gentiles were converted of which mystery the apostle is speaking in the passage quoted reply to objection two the apostles were instructed immediately by the word of god not according to his divinity but according as he spoke in his human nature hence the argument does not prove reply to objection three certain men in this state of life are greater than certain angels not actually but virtually forasmuch as they have such great charity that they can merit a higher degree of beatitude than that possessed by certain angels in the same way we might say that the seed of a great tree is virtually greater than a small tree though actually it is much smaller article three whether man by the power of his soul can change corporeal matter objection one it would seem that man by the power of his soul can change corporeal matter for gregory says in his dialogues two thirty saints work miracles sometimes by prayer 
sometimes by their power. Thus Peter by prayer raised the dead Tabitha to life, and by his reproof delivered to death the line Ananias and Sapphira. But, in the working of miracles, a change is wrought in corporeal matter. Therefore, men, by the power of the soul, can change corporeal matter. Objection 2. Further, on these words, Galatians 3, 1, Who hath bewitched you, that you should not obey the truth, the gloss says that some have blazing eyes, who by a single look bewitch others, especially children. But this would not be unless the power of the soul could change corporeal matter. Therefore, man can change corporeal matter by the power of his soul. Objection 3. Further, the human body is nobler than other inferior bodies. But by the apprehension of the human soul, the human body is changed to heat and cold, as appears when a man is angry or afraid. Indeed, this change sometimes goes so far as to bring on sickness and death. Much more, then, can the human soul by its power change corporeal matter. On the contrary, Augustine says in On the Trinity 3.8, Corporeal matter obeys God alone at will. I answer that, as stated above in question 110, article 2, corporeal matter is not changed to, the reception of, a form save either by some agent composed of matter and form, or by God himself, in whom both matter and form pre-exist virtually, as in the primordial cause of both. Wherefore, of the angels also we have stated, question 110, article 2, that they cannot change corporeal matter by their natural power, except by employing corporeal agents for the production of certain effects. Much less, therefore, can the soul, by its natural power, change corporeal matter, except by means of bodies. Reply to Objection 1. The saints are said to work miracles by the grace of God, not of nature. This is clear from what Gregory says in the same place. Those who are the sons of God, in power, as John says, what wonder is there that they should work miracles by that power? Reply to Objection 2. Avicenna assigns the cause of bewitchment to the fact that corporeal matter has a natural tendency to obey spiritual substance rather than natural contrary agents. Therefore, when the soul is of a strong imagination, it can change corporeal matter. This, he says, is the cause of the evil eye. But it has been shown above in question 110, article 2, that corporeal matter does not obey spiritual substances at will, but the Creator alone. Therefore, it is better to say that by a strong imagination the corporeal spirits of the body united to that soul are changed, which change in the spirits takes place especially in the eyes, to which the more subtle spirits can reach. And the eyes infect the air which is in contact with them to a certain distance. In the same way as a new and clear mirror contracts a tarnish from the look of a menstruata, as Aristotle says in On Sleep and Waking too. Hence, when a soul is vehemently moved to wickedness, as occurs mostly in little old women, according to the above explanation, the countenance becomes venomous and hurtful, especially to children, who have a tender and most impressionable body. It is also possible that by God's permission, or from some hidden deed, the spiteful demons cooperate in this, as the witches may have some compact with them. Reply to Objection 3. The soul is united to the body as its form, and the sensitive appetite, which obeys the reason in a certain way, as stated above in question 81, article 3, 
it is the act of a corporeal organ therefore at the apprehension of the human soul the sensitive appetite must needs be moved with an accompanying corporeal operation but the apprehension of the human soul does not suffice to work a change in exterior bodies except by means of a change in the body united to it as stated above in reply to objection to article four whether the separate human soul can move bodies at least locally objection one it seems that the separate human soul can move bodies at least locally for a body naturally obeys a spiritual substance as to local motion as stated above in question one hundred ten article five but the separate soul is a spiritual substance therefore it can move exterior bodies by its command objection two further in the itinerary of clement it is said in the narrative of nicetus to peter that simon magnus by sorcery retained power over the soul of a child that he had slain and that through this soul he worked magical wonders but this could not have been without some corporeal change at least as to place therefore the separate soul has the power to move bodies locally on the contrary the philosopher says in on the soul one three that the soul cannot move any other body whatsoever but its own i answer that the separate soul cannot by its natural power move a body for it is manifest that even while the soul is united to the body it does not move the body except as endowed with life so that if one of the members become lifeless it does not obey the soul as to locomotion now it is also manifest that no body is quickened by the separate soul therefore within the limits of its natural power the separate soul cannot command the obedience of a body though by the power of god it can exceed those limits reply to objection one there are certain spiritual substances whose powers are not determinate to certain bodies such are the angels who are naturally unfettered by a body consequently various bodies may obey them as to movement but if the motive power of a separate substance is naturally determinate to move a certain body that substance will not be able to move a body of higher degree but only one of lower degree thus according to philosophers the mover of the lower heaven cannot move the higher heaven wherefore since the soul is by its nature determinate to move the body of which it is the form it cannot by its natural power move any other body reply to objection to as augustine in the city of god ten eleven and chrysostom in his homily twenty eight on matthew say the demons often pretend to be the souls of the dead in order to confirm the error of heathen superstition it is therefore credible that simon magnus was deceived by some demon who pretended to be the soul of the child whom the magician had slain End of question one hundred seventeen